0: Thanks for hitting the play button and joining us now for In the Studio with Michael Cart. I'm Wayne Shepard. Michael, you are at home. I'm in my studio in Chicago. Yes. This is is reality podcast today, though, because you have grandkids in the house with you.
1: Yeah, you may hear an occasional uh, little sound in the background, and that's one of my (laughs) grand... Two of my grandchildren are here today, uh, Lily and Rose, so... Well, it's a sweet sound, believe me. It really is. Okay, well, I'm glad you you enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Usually it's me crying in the background, so now it's it's them. Speaking of
0: grandchildren, listen to this comment, which comes to us from the U.K. Uh, Ian wrote to us, We started to listen to your music in the 1980s when our children were little, so they grew up with it. We had our grandchildren in the car this week, and we were listening to my Christmas playlist, which, of course, had Emmanuel on it. When the track played, our eight-year-old grandson said, This is Michael Card. Can we listen to I
1: Am the Prophet? Yes, yes, that's (laughs) what we're looking for.
0: I thought you'd like to know how your music has blessed the generations of our family. Thank you so much.
1: Wow, that is very cool. (laughs) That's a cute story, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Later in the program today, uh, Curtis Zachary will join us talking about his book, Finding Soul Rest. I know he's a good friend of yours. We look forward to meeting him.
1: I'm so anxious to sort of introduce uh, our listeners to CZ. He is, uh, He's one of my favorite people. Um, you, you're about to find out about good. who CZ is. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting him here yes. on the program.
0: I read that one listener comment about that song. Uh, we're going to hear other comments about... Uh, specific songs that you've written. We'll hear some of those later in the program here today. So stay tuned for all of that, okay? But right now, Michael begins with a song recorded in the studio, Things We Leave Behind.
2: There sits Simon, so foolish and wise. Proudly he's tending his nets. Jesus calls and the boats drift away and all that he owns he forgets but more than the nets he abandoned that day he found that his pride was soon drifting away and it's hard to imagine the freedom we find from the things that we leave behind mindful of taking the tax And pressing the people to pay But hearing the call He responded in faith And followed the light and the way And leaving the people so puzzled He found that the greed in his heart Was no longer around And it's hard to imagine The freedom we find the things that we leave behind. Every heart needs to be set free from possessions that hold it so tight, because freedom's not found in the things that we own. It's the power to do what is right, with Jesus our only possession. Then giving becomes our delight And we can't imagine the freedom we find From the things that we leave behind And we show love for the world in our lives By worshipping goods we possess But Jesus said, lay all your treasures aside And love God above all the rest Because when we say no to the things of the world We open our hearts to the love of the Lord And it's hard to imagine the freedom we find From the things that we leave behind Oh, and it's hard to imagine The freedom we find from the things that we leave behind.
0: The things we leave behind. What a nice uh, setup for our Bible study now in Luke chapter 5. Random question for you, Michael. Okay. How How many songs like that have you written?
1: The total right now is 450, I think, almost 450. So I think I'm done, Wayne. <laughs> no, you're not done.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I love yeah. it. All right. Well, let's get into this study now, Luke chapter five, the miraculous catch of fish.
1: Luke is uh, has this distinctive uh, vocabulary. He's always uh, bringing up that people are astonished or amazed and... Uh, he has technical uh, nautical vocabulary and we're going to see all of that in in just these few verses, okay? Shall I read it? Yeah. Yeah, read Luke... it, read it to us from the CSB. I've got my notes are all in the NIV. I have I have yet to get my large CSB study Bible. They haven't done that yet, the loosely study Bible, but that's coming. <laughs>
0: all right. I know it will be and we really appreciate our partnership with CSB, don't we? Yeah. All right. This is Luke chapter 5 and I'll read what first 11 verses. Yes. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, We've worked hard all night and caught nothing. "'But if you say so, I'll let down the nets.' "'When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, "'and their nets began to tear. "'So they signaled to their partners in the other boat "'to come and help them. "'They came and filled both boats so full "'they began to sink. "'When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees "'and said, "'Go away from me, "'because I'm a sinful man, Lord.' "'For he and all those with him were amazed "'at the catch of fish they had taken. "'And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, "'who were Simon's partners. "'Don't be afraid,' Jesus told Simon.' From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left
1: everything, and followed him. Yeah, this this is um, this is just the beginning of Jesus gathering the disciples uh, together, Wayne. But interesting to me, it's not the beginning of his ministry. Jesus travels around; he's already been uh, kicked out of Nazareth. He teaches and, and preaches in some synagogues and does some ministry before he begins the uh, calling disciples, which tells me he doesn't really need them to, to do his ministry. It's, it's his um, extravagant sort of uh, invitation for them to be part of what he's doing hmm. uh, that I think is, you see starting in Luke 5. I, 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 that, that means a lot to me. Um, you know, he doesn't need us to do his ministry. He can do his ministry uh, without us. But he gives us the privilege of 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 working uh, working with him. So I, I I think that speaks a lot about his uh, yeah, yeah his uh, his character. But in in, in verse one there uh, uniquely Luke Luke refers to uh, the it's the Sea of Galilee we're mm-hmm. talking about. It's also called the the, the Sea of, or the Lake of Gennesaret. He refers to it as a lake because he's seen the Mediterranean. <laughs> and uh, if you've seen a, a real ocean like the Mediterranean, when you see Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret, you call it a lake. Yeah, I um, understand. And, yeah, and
0: of of course, you know this is all my imagination. But when he pushes out from the boat, I, I imagine the water is calm, so it almost reflects his voice back to the crowd. You know what I mean? It bounces his voice.
1: Yeah, and and and. Um, but one thing Luke does here that's of, of not. Not like Luke, very un is that he says that Jesus uh, speaks, but then he doesn't tell us what he he says. Oh. Now that's what Mark usually does, but uh, here um, um, uh, he he just says he speaks for a while, and then you know, then he, they they go off for their first miraculous catch of fish. Now we're going to get a long sermon in chapter six, so maybe Luke is is uh, is preparing uh, for that, but. Uh, and other interesting thing here is um, in in verse three we meet Simon for the first time, and we've already met his mother. We met his mother in four twenty eight or four thirty eight, where Jesus healed her, uh-huh. but we hadn't met Simon yet. I think that's pretty cool. Uh-huh. So um, after the sermon, um, and and again, Luke doesn't focus in on this. Mark will let us know that Jesus gets in the boat. Uh, he'll say things like. Have a boat ready so the crowd doesn't push me into the lake. So it's it's as much um, the uh, getting away from the crowd so that he can speak to them as it is the acoustics of you know going Uh, across the water. Okay, all right. I think it's probably both. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. Uh But uh, they've washed the nets and they're done and. Um I like to say it's a good thing he called them to be uh, disciples because they weren't very good fishermen. They'd fished all night long and hadn't caught anything. <laughs> yeah, right. And that and, was their livelihood, uh, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so Jesus says we're going to go out on uh, we're going to go back out. You can and, hear Peter's frustration, can't you? Yeah, but but realize he's seen Jesus heal his mother. Okay. So be, so because you say so, I'll let down the net. So I know that you, you know, you have this ability. And so we have here the first miraculous catch of fish. And a lot of uh, more liberal interpreters of the Bibles will say, well, Luke put it in the wrong place. There's only one miraculous catch of fish, and that's John 21. And I think that doesn't really work at all because in John 21, they recognize it's Jesus precisely because of the miraculous catch mm-hmm. it happens again and john looks in the nets in john 21 and says it's the lord so he remembers luke five yeah so uh, i think it i think it's very clear i mean there were at least at least two who knows how many miraculous catches there how, how often they did this maybe he did it yeah. 10 10 times It's interesting, uh, in John,
0: John, they number the fish here. There's just so many that the two boats began to sink from the load.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they're beginning to sink, and that's that's something. They've got to call their partners in just to help them out. And Peter, uh, this is an interesting response from Peter. You would think that uh, you would want to join forces with someone who can do this kind of thing. But in verse 8, Peter, he falls at Jesus' knees and says, "'Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man.'" And I think Wayne, this is evidence that Peter has heard the preaching of John the Baptist. Oh, this whole idea of repent—that—that uh, that message has really taken hold of him. And uh, and yet, that's the kind of person that Jesus is looking for, you know, someone who who knows they need to repent and, and says, "I'm I'm unworthy," and uh, and so of course, Jesus says, "Don't be afraid." Uh, from now on, you are going to catch people, mm-hmm. and they uh, they pull up their boats uh, on the shore, and they leave everything, and and they follow me. And I, I, in in Matthew four, we have the direct, you know, the 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 command, follow me. And I like to make the point that when Jesus says follow me, that's not an invitation. A lot of times, it's. Spoken of as an invitation, mm-hmm. it's not an invitation. It's a command. Because what do they do? They drop literally yeah. what's in yeah. their hands and they yeah. walk away. Yeah, I have a good friend who preaches a sermon. They Peter dropped
0: his nets. You know, what are we? What are we going to drop to follow Jesus?
1: That's right. And and, G, and Matthew gets up from the table and walks away. It's it's a more dynamic thing than just you know go Peter go home talk to your wife see if you think this is a good idea. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's uh, it's much more dynamic than that.
0: Yeah from now on you will be catching people. Yeah. I think they
1: think they were scratching their heads a bit. Well, I, I think that's a that's an image that they probably would have recognized and it's a it's actually a judgment uh image from Isaiah or I'm sorry from Jeremiah 16:16 16, 16, which says uh, I will call for fishers, fishermen and they will catch them. Um it's interesting to me that Jesus just doesn't quote the Hebrew Bible. Jesus thinks hmm. in the in the Hebrew Bible, and I think hmm. that's probably true for most of them. I remember they live in a one book world, and so the kind of images that you and I have to dig for, I think these these uh, these brothers would have immediately thought of that passage in okay. Jeremiah, and certainly Jesus would have. Yeah,
0: that's a very interesting thought to keep in
1: mind as we read all of Scripture. Yeah, Jesus just doesn't quote the Bible. He thinks in the Bible, and uh, love it. Hopefully, hopefully, if, if we do our homework, you and I will will we'll do that. I love know it. some people, and you've known some people who think in the Bible. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, to be noted here is that uh, Jesus gets a three for one. Right, he he's talking to Simon, but he gets James and John thrown in. So
1: <laughs> right, and and Bill Lane used to say, imagine you're Zebedee, and all of your partners just walk away, <laughs> oh, and you're standing boy. there with your mouth open. Wow.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and going back to verse
0: 9, for he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of the fish they had taken. CSB uses the word amazed. Uh, other versions use what word there.
1: Well, uh, NIV used astonished. And what I like to say about Luke is that Luke uh he exhaust, he exhausts the language of amazement. Uh there are four or five different uh, Greek words that can be used uh and can be translated uh to be uh, to be amazed or to be astonished. Sometimes even sometimes even to be to be fearful. And Luke uses all of those words. And sometimes he'll use he'll use them uh, he'll use two in the same verse. And you can almost learn uh, to to recognize this kind of Lukean uh, language that you know they were amazed and astonished. Uh, when you hear that, you know that's Luke. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things he does that I think is. Um, uh, interesting is is he waits, he makes us wait uh, for the moment in in his gospel, gospel when Jesus is amazed. Mm-hmm. So the the you know Mary and Joseph are amazed and the shepherds are amazed and you're asking yourself uh, all the while you know when is Jesus uh, going to be amazed. And uh, I'll just leave that uh, for you to figure out, Wayne. Oh, okay. <laughs> Me and everyone <laughs> listening, by the way. All right. And uh,
0: if I recall correctly, one of your books on Luke, your book on Luke is titled The Gospel of Amazement, right?
1: Right. The Gospel of Amazement. And, and here's what else that means. We know that Luke uh, was not an eyewitness, that he gathered eyewitness testimony. And so think about it just for a minute. He's talking to people uh, several several years after um, you know, he writes his Gospels in you know 60s, 20, 30 years after Jesus. And he's talking to eyewitnesses, and guess what? They are still amazed. Hmm. They, they're consistently uh, telling him in their eyewitness testimony that they were amazed by the things that Jesus said and did. And um, I don't think it's just a theme that Luke uh, uh, repeats. I think he, he was talking to eyewitnesses that were amazed. Well, thanks for this brief look at
0: the Miraculous Catch in Luke chapter 5. If listeners want to correspond with us about it, our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. And then producer Joe has chosen Sea of Souls for our song to wrap up this segment before we move on to something else. So let's listen to it now. Pat Flynn joins you on the guitar in this song.
2: Forget the night so dark and cold, and with the dawn he rose in view and filled our nets and my soul too. The fisher king, our rendezvous upon the sea of souls, upon the sea of souls. We ride the tide of time, and Jesus shouts, "Behold, you stand beside the sea of souls." To follow him so I could find a way to cast a different line Upon the sea of souls, upon the sea of souls We ride the tides of time And Jesus shouts, behold You stand beside a sea of souls
0: In this creativity segment, I thought, Michael, that we could talk about uh, the process of writing songs. You've written, as you said earlier, 450 of them.
1: Yeah, I think the actual number may be 436, but I just
0: round up. But tell me about the process. We touch on this from time to time, but it's interesting to learn about how you go about doing what you do.
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I see uh, these people who you know have songwriting seminars and teaching people how to do it, and I I really can't. And I'm not saying that there there aren't people that can teach you how to do it. I just can't imagine what what that would look like because for me, it's um, there's a certain amount of anguish and there's this. Do you feel this? Uh, the prophets describe this burning in their bones, like you know, God help me if I don't write this mm. down. And uh, mm-hmm. that that's been my experience of songwriting. It's just you feel this burden, and uh, sometimes it's really clear what you uh, need to say. But other times, I don't. I don't even know what it is. I and and the burden is to go find this. But you just have this sort of uh, burning in your bones to say something uh, significant. And and so thirty five years of of uh, of of doing that. Uh, and sad to say, I can't tell you how I do it. <laughs> I just. I understand, yeah. I
0: understand that. I, I really do understand that, and it's a I mean, there's experience involved here. Yeah. There's the spirit leading involved. There's there's mystery involved. Isn't yeah,
1: there? and then and then I think God matches up your your desire because God knows one of the things I love to do is study, and so uh, it's an excuse to you know way over study and way over prepare. But then then you've got this blank sheet, and you've got you know, and you've got in three minutes basically you have to say something. You distill it. Yeah you, yeah, you bring it down. And uh, yeah. sometimes Excellent. that's fun and fulfilling, and sometimes it's uh, it's like you know having a tooth pulled. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, let me read a couple of comments. I have one. Maybe you have one okay. in front of you. Hello, Michael. Just a quick note to say thank you for your music. Over the last few days, I've been drawn back to come to the cradle and sleep sound hmm. in Jesus. Listen, my father-in-law died yesterday. Oh, of my COVID. Goodness. But we were able to be with him in person by day and by FaceTime at night. Over and over again, I sang Baroka to him. That's the blessing song. I had wanted to sing it to my own father as he died of ALS in 2001, but couldn't find the courage to sing it in his presence. So I sang it elsewhere with him in mind. Thank you for putting the song to the blessing in numbers so that I could sing this blessing Mm. to him. It's so interesting to me that the parallels between birth into this life and birth into the next... Many of the lullabies seem appropriate for both. Wow. And that comes from a listener named
1: Wow. I never thought of that. Hmm. So, you know, the and the the Bible, I mean, the metaphor that Jesus uses is asleep. You fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Wow. I never thought of that.
0: You have a comment in front of you there, don't you?
1: Yeah, I've got one. This is from uh, David. He says, I just wanted to say I appreciate so much in the studio I look forward every Monday to listening. It brightens the day in a very difficult and challenging job I have, often speaking with very sick patients. Thank you, Mike and Wayne, for your kindness and faithfulness to God and your commitment to honest teaching. I really enjoyed this past episode featuring Mike's wife, Susan. Recently, I've been listening to wordless ones from Sleep Sound and Jesus over and over. might seem strange that a single guy in his 30s would do that, but I see the parallels between that song and most on the album, The Final Word. Michael uses the word incarnation. Unlike anybody I've ever heard, the incarnation of our love puts the purity and holiness of marriage back into perspective and has made me not give up on ever getting married in this difficult and frightening society. Also, join the journey and who share incarnation with him. Thanks, Mike and Wayne, Love to you all. God bless you. Can Mike sing wordless ones? So there's a little request at the end of that letter. All right. I think we can
0: honor that. We have a studio recording here we'll play in just a moment. Yeah. And by the way, when listeners thank you and me, they're thanking Joe Carlson, our producer, too, I'm sure. Joe Absolutely. does so much behind the scenes to make this all work. So
1: Absolutely. So thank you, Joe. And thank you, Wayne and David, for sending in those uh, yes. those uh, yeah. th- that encouragement.
0: All right. Let's get to the song that David requested, Wordless Ones. Here's Michael Card.
2: In your loving arms we lay This wordless one so new The incarnation of our love We dedicate to you Hopeless yet so full of hope We make our solemn vow knowing when the time will come, not even knowing how. And though it seems we try to make a promise that is true, we really only claim for them the promise that is yours. This wordless one so new The incarnation of our love We offer up to you The holy sleep which falls so deep A blessing from above We'll now embrace our little one In simple trusting love We offer you this child Who's only ours for just a while How could we keep it back from you When you gave your only child In your loving arms we lay This wordless one so new The incarnation
0: Pause this session there as we reset the studio for the second half coming up. If what you're hearing has stirred you to want to go deeper, look online for more from Michael that can help. Find books, including the newest release titled The Nazarene. And there's music and news about upcoming conferences at michaelcard.com. You can email your comments and questions to in the studio at michaelcard.com. That's in the studio at michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll get the word out about this digital gathering by posting a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing the link to your favorite social media platform. Coming up, more music, conversation with our guest and Michael's closing perspective after this message in the studio with Michael Carr. Michael, this month we're featuring the day-by-day Chronological Bible.
1: I'm so glad that we get to feature this important Bible edition from my good friend, Dr. George Guthrie. George has been with us many times and we've appreciated his scholarship and ability to make the Bible understandable. That's why we want to point you to the day-by-day Chronological Bible. This study tool combines a daily reading plan with a unique way of tracing the flow of God's action through history. We're always encouraging people to consistently read the Bible, and this resource can be your guide through God's Word this
0: year. Start by visiting csbible.com and search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. When you order, receive your 30% discount on the CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type in the studio as one word in the promotion code for your 30% discount with LifeWay. Search for the Day-by-Day Chronological Bible now at csbible.com. Michael, a guest will join us here in just a moment. But may I share this comment from Matt, who sent this to us? I want to share something with you, he says. Yesterday, when I was changing the oil in one of my daughter's cars, I was listening to your Join the Journey CD, as I often do when I do automotive work. I'm not sure why that's the case. (laughs) but uh, This time, as I was laying on my back under the vehicle, and I heard the words from the chorus of faith, he loves us with passion. He says, I began to weep out loud. Mm. How could God love a creep like me? Mm. Thanks be to our heavenly father for his gift of Jesus and thanks Michael for the song.
1: Mm. I share that uh, that that question. I mean, why why he loves us the way he loves us. Well, it's it's obviously because he is love and yes. uh, he loves us as we are and not as we should be. And Brennan Manning used to say that all the time. Uh-huh. Isn't it and, uh, interesting
0: to hear from listeners what they're doing while they listen to the
1: Yeah, the program? yeah. Well I, I don't I hope he's concentrating while he's under the car on something <laughs> yeah. other than
0: that's a yeah, recipe for
1: disaster, there Matt. <laughs> I
0: understand, I understand. Well, again, our guests will join us momentarily, but first John Ketchings joins Michael in the studio to record the song Joy in the Journey. Let's listen. Imagining a lot of smiles on the faces of our listeners right now. They love that song, "Join the Journey." Yeah, John Ketchings, yeah. by the way, uh, on cello there, of course. Yeah, classic a, a classic rendition of that song by the two of you. So, thank you. Yeah, he is he is something else. Speaking of something else, you want to introduce our guest to us?
1: Yeah, let me let me uh, let me introduce uh, my, my my friend Cz. Uh, I've been I've been helping out at a at a church that's looking for a pastor. And I said, you know, you really got to uh, have Cz come and preach. And they said, well, you know, w- w- you know, what do you have to say about Cz? And the 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 best thing I could say was, I wish he was my pastor. <laughs> okay, you so, you know him as Cz. We
0: know him as Curtis Zachary.
1: Yeah, well, welcome. Yeah, he welcome. preaches and writes, but he's, uh, he's a he's he's a sweet brother. Welcome, Cz.
4: Man, so kind to be uh, with you guys and have a chance
1: to be able to chop it up well who, who is
0: cz michael
1: well he, he's he's uh, the guy that you want to get together if you want to talk about scripture or talk about G- who jesus is and what he means and one of my fa- one of my favorite thing about cz is when you're having coffee with him he he gets so excited he keeps punching you physically <laughs> he'll punch you in the arm and uh it's just uh i don't know anybody like him so oh, thanks for man. giving us some of your valuable time pastor <clears throat>
4: Oh my goodness. Well, I do get excited about talking about Jesus. There's no question yes. about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's also the author of a book, Finding Soul Rest. And yeah. uh, all kidding aside, you you really think highly of this guy, don't
1: you? I do. I do. I'm teasing a lot, but that's teasing is my love language. Uh, <laughs> uh and and there's a, there's one of the essays that I wanted to have him uh, talk about. It's a it's a theme that we um that comes up on this show all the time. I just wanted to read one paragraph. Uh, When most people refer to being in a wilderness season, it's usually with negative connotations. The wilderness is a term often used to describe a period of time you would like to escape as soon as possible. We don't know where we are going, what will happen, or how long it will take. If we think we're in the wilderness, we want out. Mm. And, uh, and then you go on to say that uh, there's a, a completely uh, new way of looking at the wilderness. What do you think, CZ?
4: Yeah, I think one of the most impactful conversations I had when I went to Israel last fall was around the wilderness and what it represented for the people there locally. And in one of those conversations, somebody said, uh, yeah, we have a different perspective around the importance and what it means to be present in the wilderness. And there's not an immediate negative connotation that many of you Westerners uh, hold. And I said, uh, well, where does that come from? And as you know, they'll usually answer a question with a question uh, over there, and they responded by saying, well, have you read the Bible? And they went on to describe how so many instances of clarity of insight that has come from God, so many instances of uh clear and perfect understanding of mission came in the wilderness. You know, you see Moses uh, hearing in from the burning bush. You see Paul, uh, after becoming blind, uh, retreating to the wilderness and experiencing uh, the revelation of the gospel directly from God. You see Jesus, who's baptized, the Holy Spirit falls on him like a dove, and immediately the Spirit leads him to the wilderness. And so it's in the wilderness that there's this clarity of opportunity to hear from God. Now, it doesn't negate that it's hard. It doesn't negate that it's rough and that, you know, I I was having this conversation in the wilderness of Zin, and being there for about 30 minutes, I was ready to leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was hot. The bugs were everywhere. There was nowhere comfortable to sit down. There were very few trees to provide shade. So it is uncomfortable. There is very little life or vegetation. But the other thing that was juxtaposed against that was, as we started walking through, you could see how the clarity of sound would travel so easily because there were no obstacles or no encumbrances of hearing the transmission of sound. So uh, the deafening silence uh, was so apparent. And you think about where would you want to be in order to hear from God? And it's in this place where there's no distraction. And so it reframed, it reshaped what wilderness looks like. And it actually changes what conversation looks like now in some of the difficult seasons that we find ourselves in right here in America.
1: Um, So I'm here and God speaks in the silence of the heart. Uh, He makes us, he establishes his uh, sonship and daughterhood in the wilderness, And uh, the passage is like, out of Egypt, I've called my son. Uh, My mentor used to say that the the sonship of Israel was established in the wilderness. So it's like, that's where God definitively does his thing, huh?
4: Yeah, and I think it's hard for us because our natural proclivity is always going to be to move to a place of comfort, to move to a place of understanding and uh, resonance with the way that we operate. I mean, it's Mm. just our default setting. And the wilderness... Figuratively and actually represents a space where you are dependent. You are, hopefully and aspirationally, moving toward a place where, unless God shows up, things aren't going to change. Unless God moves,
3: mm-hmm. there will
4: not be deliverance or provision or uh, restoration. We need God to do a thing and. The physical wilderness represents that in a very real way. When I was walking through and seeing nothing but brown in every direction, you could easily see how the longing for water or the longing for what we uh, end up realizing is manna from heaven could be present, because you're thinking, there is no hope in my understanding to find out how I'm going to get food or to find sustenance. So God is going to have to do something. So moving that to a figurative sense, uh, there's no other way to think except, man, unless God shows up in the midst of our tension, in the midst of our difficulty, our suffering, we have no way forward. And I believe, like you just referred to, that's exactly where God wants us to be Continue. Mm.
1: Yeah, so we have to have uh, rely on um, manna and uh, li- the water that comes from the living rock, or living water that comes from the rock. Uh, his protection, we we become totally dependent on him in the wilderness.
4: And I think one of the things that's interesting about that is uh, there are, you know, so in the New Testament, it talks often about suffering. Romans 5 talks about suffering. James talks about suffering. And, you know, we see in the Bible that in this life there will be trials talks about the value of suffering, how suffering makes us complete, lacking nothing. Uh, In Romans 5, it says that our suffering uh, produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. So there is a purpose for suffering. And what's interesting about the wilderness is that the wilderness is a representation of us being in a suffering season that requires for God to bring our release. And what is so meaningful to me moving forward now in New Testament life, apart from uh, Israel here living in Franklin, Tennessee, is I need to find ways to voluntarily submit myself to many sufferings mm. so that I can remember God's suffering um, or God's sustenance. And you might be saying, "Well, why would anybody voluntarily suffer?" Well, what are one of the things? Uh, what are some of the things that God? Uh, reminds us of in Matthew 6. When you pray, when you fast, and when you give. Fasting is a mini suffering. So -hmm. the reason I turn over the plate is for me to remember what I normally go to in my own satisfaction of my own hunger, my own (sighs) desires. I am now saying to God, I'm inviting you to replace the thing that I normally would do myself. So unless you show up and, su- and supply and, and supplement my hunger, I'm going to be desperate. But I believe and I'm hopeful that you can do the thing that I can't do. So remembering those little places of suffering help us in the big places of suffering as we walk through life. Uh,
0: CZ, I'm intrigued by the idea of the two of you talking about suffering in the wilderness, and yet your book talks about soul rest. Yeah. Uh, what's the connection there?
4: Yeah, so I think the thing that we have done when it comes to the idea of rest is sadly given that word rest many connotations that are negative. Uh, We equate rest with laziness, Uh, we equate rest with failure, Uh, we equate rest with uh, inability to move forward and produce and to work to earn. And so when we think about rest, we don't have this. Uh, hopeful or positive understanding of what it what it means for us. But the thing that's so interesting about the way that God made us is, you know, in Ecclesiastes 3, you know, there's a famous passage that was turned into the bird song, there's a time for mourning and dancing and all the different things, but it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the hearts of humanity. Mm-hmm. So there's this eternal longing inside of humanity that could only be satisfied by the God who created them. Mm-hmm. And that creates a soulish fatigue, a soulish longing that cannot find its rest unless God provides it. And so what we see in the new...
0: its not. Excuse me, it's not going to be in leisure... That's right, And, and more sleep. <laughs> this is a soul rest we're talking about.
4: It's a soulish rest. And, and I think, you know, when people think, all right, well, where does that term come from? It comes from Matthew 11, where Jesus has the audacity to stand in front of the rule setters and the rule followers and say to them, come to me and I will give you the rest that you've been longing for. Goes on to say, take my yoke, learn from me, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And Jesus himself says, you will find rest for your soul. Mm. So, the thing that we're really longing for is not something that is surface. It's not a comfort. It's not something that comes with our ability to be satisfied on our surface impulses. The soulish rest that we're longing for is deep. And to get to those deep places, it takes deep work. Well, where can deep work occur? It can occur in the wilderness. Mm. Deep work can come when you can hear. Deep work can come when you remove the obstacles, you remove the barriers. We need to voluntarily find places, not for us to produce, to make, and do more, but for us to return in repentance to God, to listen, to trust, to be open, to be silent. And whatever it takes for us to do that, we need to do that.
1: And I know, uh, I think Henry Nowen said, we wait for God to find us in the wilderness. So you're talking about living an uncluttered life and and being able to hear and being able to listen. And and so the the rest is is sort of an active rest?
4: That is so good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that phrase. Active rest is exactly right. It's for us to... Continually mine down and find the obstacles and the uh barriers and the uh, pieces of rock that are limiting uh, the water and the nutrients to mm. get to our roots, mm-hmm. so even as we 're resting, you know I think about uh, a gardening analogy, obviously the Bible is filled with imagery of flourishing and trees and all these different things. Uh, if I think about what uh, a plant needs to grow, I can't make the plant grow, but what I can do is cultivate the ground around the plant to make sure that those roots are getting what they need. I want to eliminate weeds. I want to eliminate the rocks. I want to eliminate all of the barriers for that plant to have what it needs to grow. It will do what it is intended to do naturally as long as there aren't things that are limiting the flow. And when we think about what it means for us to live and to flourish as followers of the way of Jesus, we don't need more spirit. We don't need more Jesus. What we need is to identify the barriers to intimacy and to identify the the limiting factors where we're allowing those things to flourish in and through our lives. So our uh, active rest, as you said, which is a beautiful phrase, is our job is to not try to produce, make, and uh grow our own fruit, but for us to look at the places where we are limiting God in His ability to flow and to do the thing that He will naturally do as a result of knowing.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Michael, maybe you'll be quoted in in CZ's next book. Who knows? (laughs) Active rest.
4: (laughs) You'll get there. (laughs) Come on.
1: Well, I've been been Uh, stealing stuff from him for years, so. Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I th- I think a perfect way to wrap this up, Michael's with your song, Never Will I Leave You. Hmm. Uh, what do you
1: think? Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I-, I appreciate you giving us some of your uh, valuable time, Pastor. I know you are a busy man.
4: Man, I love it. It was so fun to be with you yep.
0: guys. Curtis Zachary, his book is Finding Soul Rest, 40 Days Connecting with Christ. We'll, of course, have more information in our program notes for this podcast online. So thank you, brother.
4: Oh, honored to be with you.
0: Let's hear Michael's song now. John Ketchings again on cello, Never Will I Leave You.
2: Trust in me And keep your life free From what? The love of money will do Am I not enough for you And never will I love That's something I'll never do To ever remember That it's true Never
3: will
1: Yeah, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I mean, what more encouraging uh, words could we uh, possibly hear? There's nothing worse than, than uh, being alone and knowing that that never, because of what Jesus has done and who he is, that never has to be uh, the experience of any of us anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, even as you say that, I'm thinking back on that comment from the listener who was at the bedside of his father-in-law dying of COVID.
1: Right. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Uh, he's always present. Uh, he's always with us. He's always for us. And, I mean, that may be uh, what lies uh, beneath, I think, everything that, that we do here, Wayne. Uh, we have this confidence uh, that even even when we're not faithful, he's faithful, Uh there, there's nothing that I can do that would, uh, you know, cause him to love me any less, mm-hmm. uh, and he can't love me any more than he loves me right now. So, yeah. um, I think uh, at least I'm speaking for me, but I think I can speak for you too. That that's what keeps me uh, writing songs and doing radio, and mm. and uh, uh, it's not. It's why we do what we anything do. Anything else? Yeah. That's why we do what
0: we do. Right? It's because of who he is. And we talked about Luke chapter five and Peter. Aren't you glad that Peter? Got in the boat. I mean, he followed Jesus' instructions.
1: Yeah, and what? Yeah, what else are you gonna do? You know, I get. Well, I guess there were people that he that uh, that chose not to follow him. We know in John six there were some people who were his disciples who left. Uh, imagine uh, being that person and and seeing Jesus walk away. Well, actually, I can't imagine that. But uh, yeah, the good news is uh, he's faithful when we're not faithful. He, he keeps a hold of us when we don't have the, the, the wisdom or the faith to, to hold on to Him. So that's, that's a message worth sharing, worth getting on the radio and sharing. Well, thank you,
0: Michael. Good insight as we wrap up this hour. It's our prayer that the scripture, discussions, and music were used by God to enrich your walk with Christ. Information about today's guest and his book can be found on the podcast page at michaelcard.com. This month, we're highlighting a helpful Bible resource compiled by our friend Dr. George Guthrie called the Day-by-Day Chronological Study Bible. Look for the link for this at michaelcard.com or order your copy by searching for a day-by-day chronological Bible when you visit csbible.com. Be sure to use the promotion code in the studio typed with no spaces to receive your 30% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay the Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Carr.